quite literally, I, I was told, no, you cannot preach and no, you cannot teach the Bible to men and things like that. So, you know. Um, I don't want to disrespect the majesty of it. But when I say it's the word of God, I also want to recognize that humans were involved in the process. Mm -hmm. So I say that um, maybe that's more than what you asked. But uh, first thing that comes to mind, if you ask me about the Bible, I would say it's the word of God. But it's the word of God coming through human beings. Like what if the church is wrong in denying women access to the pulpit and to leadership in the church? Um in what ways is the church then limiting or hampering the spread of the gospel? And how many women have been hurt because of this? Um, because they haven't been allowed to do what God has called them to do. I would, that's an interesting question. I would, I, would, I would answer in a couple of ways. One is the uh, very nature of God, I think, is to help God's people in their situation. And I think that's what prophets do, right? They speak to the situation. They speak to the context. We think that the Bible is good news for women because it mm. does promote male-female equality. And we think the traditional interpretation of this text is just wrong. What I'll say is some of the things that are can be difficult about being a woman kind of get amplified when you're a pastor i think that's an awesome connection i i, I and I, I really appreciate you making it because i think that really what both of those passages are about is the holy spirit like even someone like paul he says all kinds of things about women or he gives all kinds of messages about women and not all of them are women must be silent. Inspiration is sometimes people, I think their imagination is that they see these apostles or whomever sitting in a dark room, you know, with God somehow pushing their hand along to write because... Yeah. So it's in that really kind of almost a magical kind of fashion. Like um, uh, like divine dictation or something. Yeah, divine dictation. And I was taught that as a kid. You know, that was that and, and I and then as you get older you think, Did God really need my hand? I mean, or or somebody's hand to write? I mean, in Daniel he writes on the wall by himself, you know, so it just seems kind of odd um that you need a human being's arm and, and hand. Um, so the God breathed part says that the spirit is active in the process. So just like the spirit is active in creation, just like the spirit is moving in other ways, the spirit is also involved in the, um, in the, in the writing and in the, uh, transmission of the scriptures. You can't just kind of cherry pick these texts out and say, hold them up and say, Hey, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to build a theology around these few texts mm. that talk about silencing women in the assembly. Um, mm. They would say, no, we need to read the whole of scripture and see what Paul is doing, see what mm. Jesus was doing, mm. um, etc. Yeah. I was reading something from uh, Walter Brueggemann on Genesis 3, and he says, you know, the Old Testament doesn't reflect that much actually on how evil came to be. Mm. It's just there. You know, yeah. and I thought about that a 
a lot and, and said even um, much of the Jewish scriptures are not reflecting on this fall. They're, they're, they're working with um, uh, an, almost an assumption that evil is in the world. And what... Both complementarian and egalitarian, as I said, both hold a really high view of scripture. So scripture is really important to both of us, both groups, people that would find themselves in either camps. And so um, what it often will come down to is how do you read scripture? So there's like a fancy word called hermeneutic that ta- that refers to kind of the lens through which we will look at scripture. And so um, the thing to keep in mind when we're reading scripture and when we think about anything that we're interpreting in the Bible is that we're always going to be using a lens. Uh, so just speaking from my experience, I suppose, it's important for women who are teaching and pastors to be connecting with other women who are doing the same thing because we need to see each other doing it and we need to be able to, I think, encourage each other. You know, this whole idea of male headship and female subordination, whether it's in society or or in marriage, one of the problems with it is it doesn't take a good enough account of sin. Um, Because giving one part of the population power without accountability, obviously, is going to lead to uh, various forms of corruption. Sin creeps in, even in sort of a benevolent uh, headship or a soft complementarianism. When you give one uh, group or one gender power over another, it's inevitable that that, that's going to create disparity in the relationship. Welcome back to season two of Captivate Podcast. Uh, What you heard is a sneak peek of what we've got in store for you this year. That's correct. Well done, Mike. (laughs) We're back, baby. How exciting. I'm super excited for season two. It's going to be great. We've had some good conversations already and we can't wait for you to hear them. Um, So thanks so much for being with us uh, in season one and we hope you enjoy uh, season two and that we can connect and um, yeah, be on this journey uh, with you for season two. Cool. Well, we'll catch you in the next episode. Yeah, catch you.